Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, live and direct to you from the city of Angels, where the Dodgers have a two-games-to-none lead on the uh, defending champion Chicago Cubs. We'll get to... How Joe Madden is trying to finish the job he did not finish last year for the Cubs. Yes, I know he's the manager of the Cubs who won it last year. Uh, I get this idea of of conventional wisdom, throwing conventional wisdom uh, out the window, but uh, there's a reason that cliches exist, and there's a reason that people say common sense. He didn't use common sense. It's not all that common. We'll get to that. Plus, Arizona State head coach Todd Graham's going to join us. In uh, 20 minutes, we'll talk about their upset of UW, of Washington. That was late Saturday night. A crazy Saturday in college football, which began with a crazy couple of upsets on Friday night in college football. 
Dino Babers, head coach of Syracuse, will join us. We'll talk about Wazoo getting shut out, all of that. But uh, let's react to everything we saw yesterday. And to me, the big news um, is there are upsets, right? Like Washington State got beat on Friday. That's an upset. But like Washington State wasn't winning a national championship, right? Clemson losing their quarterback, losing to Syracuse with the most difficult part of their schedule to come, likely without Kelly Bryant, their quarterback. Dallison, that is a that is a tectonic shift, a tectonic plate tectonics. Remember that? Did you ever learn that in school? Right? There's plates underneath the earth, and when they move, that's when we have earthquakes. That's how big Clemson's loss was because we thought there was Clemson, Alabama, and then everybody else. Now there's Alabama and maybe Georgia and everybody else. The same thing happened in the NFL. Look, the Giants beating the Broncos, that's a stunner to me. Right? I, you change play callers, and even though you don't have any of your first three wide receivers, including Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard, uh, Brandon Marshall, you don't have any of them, and you beat the Broncos in Denver, like that's a stunner, but it doesn't it doesn't dramatically change the playoff. The, the Giants aren't going to the playoffs. Maybe it changes the Broncos. Maybe. And the AFC West. Um, but Aaron Rodgers breaking his collarbone. Well, now that's big. One, because, I mean, think about this year in the NFL, right? We still haven't seen Andrew Luck. Um, J.J. Watts done for the year. Odell Beckham Jr. done for the year. And likely Aaron Rodgers done for the year. I mean, on if you write anyone's list of the 10 best players in the NFL, the 10 best, biggest names in the NFL, those names are all on that list. And they're all done for the season. But it changes the outlook of the NFC North. It changes the Green Bay Packs. Brett Hundley did not appear ready or up to snuff. And now it brings in the, will Tony Romo come out of retirement? You're like, whoa, how does that make any sense? Like, okay, who does Aaron Rodgers' style most remind you of? Tony Romo grew up in Wisconsin. Tony Romo is the most decorated, most ready to play, you'd think, of the guys that are out on the street. And while you might say Colin Kaepernick, dude, if you sue the NFL for collusion, you're not getting a job in the NFL while you're suing for collusion especially when it feels like a frivolous claim that's that you're not going to be able to prove. Kaepernick would have made a little bit of sense, but now it makes completely no sense. Forget about the political climate. I mean, like, look, Aaron Rodgers is a very outspoken, uh, outspoken in his support of social change. And though he's not cap, I, I don't think that necessarily limits cap from being signed. He probably would probably wouldn't have happened, but you sue the league. He ain't getting a job in the league. Oh, hey, yeah, by the way, that lawsuit, forget about all that. Forget about all that collusion. I'm good to play with the Green Bay Packers. But that's a gigantic shift. So, I mean, like, look, best player. In, that's the, those are the best players in the league. You got the best wide receiver in the league, he's out for the year. You got uh, the best defensive end in the league, he's out for the year. And now you have the best quarterback in the league, and he's out for the year. Like, that's crazy. Crazy. And, um... Doug Whaley did a lot of dumb stuff, and he probably shouldn't have said it with the Buffalo Bills. But when he said, football is bad for your health, if you don't believe me, I give you Odell Beckham Jr. I give you J.J. Watt. I give you Aaron Rodgers. And, oh, yeah, we're not even talking about CTE and the long-term effects of playing football. All right, now I want to get to last night. 
sports can do a lot of things. It can it can unite, right? Can unite a city, can unite a state, can be a unifying force. Um, but sports also, to me, can kind of bring you back to a previous time and a previous place. And last night at Dodger Stadium, it, it did just that. Here's let me set it up for you, okay? Twenty nine years ago, Kirk Gibson hit a walk off home run against Dennis Eckersley in Game 1 of the World Series. Last night was the anniversary of that iconic moment. What's crazy about it for me personally is not only that I, that I know that, but the night before, uh, my son is eight. Okay, He's playing in like an AAU tournament. They won their first game. My mom was there. It was like right down the street from where I grew up. My mom had to be there. So we went out and we went to a place called Taco Mesa, which is awesome if you're ever in Orange, California. Anyway. And we're sitting around and we're watching. We got like the last two chairs, or last three chairs, where you could actually see the Dodger game, which was on TV. And it was right when, uh, it was right at the end of the game when when the Dodgers won. And uh, I was explaining to my son this Kirk Gibson moment. And the great thing about today is you don't have to just tell him about it. You could show it to him. So I quickly searched on YouTube, found it, played it for him, and explained who Dennis Eckersley was, who Kirk Gibson was, why it was so unlikely that I was with my buddy, Miles Simon, who's now an assistant with the Lakers, and I was at his mom's house, and Miles turned to me and said, he's going to hit home run, and I was like, dude, he can't even walk. And of course, he hit home run. Last night, Justin Turner comes up against John Lackey and hits a walk-off three-run home run to win game two. Now, I want to get to the historical context in a moment. But first, let me just deal with Joe Madden. What a disaster he is with the bullpen. <laughs> right? Like, last year he tried to ruin the Cubs overcoming the curse of the Billy Goat. This year it looks like he's completing the task. Remember, last year all they did around the trade deadline was pick up bullpen guy, bullpen guy, to bullpen guy, and then he gets to the playoffs and he only uses three guys. I mean, it was crazy. Araldis Chapman's arm nearly fell off. He was off the entire year this year because of how Joe Madden overused him. And it wasn't like they didn't have guys. Madden just didn't trust them. So he decides, like, look, to use John Lackey, questionable considering he's not a bullpen guy, to use John Lackey in the middle of an inning instead of to start an inning considering he's a starting pitcher, questionable. To use John Lackey on back-to-back nights for the first time in his career, questionable. To use John Lackey against Justin Turner, who was three of three for six against John Lackey before he gave up the game-winning three-run home runs. It's kind of questionable. Put it all together, and what a disastrous series of decisions by Joe Madden, who we all like and is a really good leader of men in a regular season, the mundane uh, days of... Uh, dog days of summer. He was good with the Rays. He's been good with the Cubs. He's found ways to not lose his stuff when these young Cubs weren't playing early in the year. Like, oh, that's great. But you get to the playoffs and you got a chance. You have Wade Davis. He's still employed by the Cubs, isn't he? Now, Wade Davis is coming off the most pitches he's ever thrown uh, as a reliever. But that was like five days ago. Maybe his arm's going to fall off, but I- I'm just stunned by it, blown away by it. And it's one of those things to which I I understand that in baseball, sometimes you go away from conventional wisdom. You know, you don't always have to go righty, righty, lefty, lefty. 
Sometimes you go with the numbers. Sometimes you go with the feelings. Sometimes you go with the gut. Let's let's take a listen. Here's Joe Madden on why he used Lackey. I'm just uh, betting on his experience right there as much as anything. Um, I know that he went out there and wanted and tried to make the pitches that he wanted to make. I knew that the crowd would not affect him, and it didn't. I mean, he just, you know, he, the, the first walk, he just kept trying to get Taylor to chase. Once he got to two strikes and he didn't chase, to, to the hitter's credit. And then I, I didn't see the last pitch to Turner, but obviously it was pretty good. Uh, pr- pretty good for who? For, for Justin Turner? Because it was not pretty good for the Cubs. It was right down Broadway. Um, drawing on his experience, I get it. He's been part of three different World Series winning teams. He started Game 7 of the World Series uh, for the Angels, I believe, back in 2002. Uh, Ramos, is that correct? Was it? Did he start Game 7? I think he, he did. started Game 7 of that World Series. He, he did. That was 2002. Yep. How many years ago was 2002? Right? It was 15 years ago. You're calling on experience. He has no experience out of the bullpen. And he has no experience going on back-to-back nights. And the only experience he has going against Justin Turner is bad experience. All right, well, uh, maybe Wade Davis wasn't healthy, wasn't ready. When you have a guy like that uh, coming off the performance that he had, to warm him up and then not use him is, is equally as bad. Like another warm him up, not put him in a game, and then ask him to pitch maybe two innings later. That's, that's really not good form. So today, tonight, I really was waiting for that opportunity to grab a lead and then throw him out there. That was, that's what it was all about. Um, there was no way he was pitching more than one, and um, that was pretty much it. All right, so he wasn't – I don't want to be using more than one and want to extend him. Closers – are built for coming in in the middle when when the when there's a fire in the house. Okay, closers are firemen. Right, they come in and they know how to get everybody out safely. They're not scared of the fire. They respect the fire and they put the fire out. Okay, when you have a fire, you call a fireman. Right. Okay. They basically called a home builder <laughs> and said, uh, hey, um, John Lackey, we know you don't do this for a living. We know you don't come in, in high leverage situations. We know you don't pitch on back-to-back nights. Could you handle this because we don't want to call the firemen just yet because we don't have a lead? I understand going against conventional wisdom, but sometimes you need to use common sense. You're, this, is, this is like Craig Kimbrell a couple years ago sitting in the bullpen or... Um, What's his name? Uh, Britain last year for the Zach Britton for the Orioles. Like you're just waiting and waiting and waiting to use him. What the hell is the point of having him if you're not going to use him in that situation? So uh, I'm going to play for you a little bit later on in the show. The two iconic calls of Kirk Gibson's home run, because as good as Kirk Gibson's home run was Vin Scully and Jack Buck. Okay, the late, great Jack Buck, were both on the call of that game, and both of their calls were incredible. And the home run, I love Justin Turner. I love the Justin Turner story. I love that he's from Southern California. And he, but it, it's, let, please do not make it the same play. Okay, Dennis Eckersley was the best closer in baseball that year, had one of the best seasons in the history of baseball as a closer that year, and Kirk Gibson could barely walk, and then he comes in and he hits home run. But the takeaway should be that while Joe Madden, I guess, gets a pass, gets a mulligan because somehow they won a World Series last year, in many ways, if you watch the World Series, they won in spite of, not because of, decisions like the one he made last night, which may not, is, it's not the reason that they lost. It's not. 
Okay. But in baseball and in and coaching, especially, it's all about probability or the likelihood of success. And which each of those factors, the likelihood of success was made more slight as opposed to throwing in one of the best postseason uh, closers in baseball that we've seen in the past decade in Wade Davis, who's not just done it for the Cubs this year, he did it for the Royals previously. Somebody explain to me what I'm missing. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Clemson goes into Syracuse and just gets beat. Their head coach, Dino Babers, kind enough to to join us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, coach, thanks so much for taking time. It's It's been a couple of days, and I guess there's good and bad to winning on Friday. Some people kind of forget, but on a Monday, how's it still feel? Yeah, it feels great. I mean, that's a, that's a moment that'll stay with those young men forever. I mean, they'll tell their sons and their daughters about that game. They'll tell their grandsons, their granddaughters. It's one of those those stories that people will never forget. And the fans that were there that stormed the field, they'll never forget it as well. Um, th- there'll be people who didn't watch the game that'll say, well, well, Kelly Bryant got hurt, right, the quarterback at Clemson. So, so that's why they want – what they miss is that you guys – we're ready to play right out of the shoot. Scored 14 points in the first quarter. Get, heading into the game, what was your game plan? What was your sense of how you could beat Clemson? Well, I don't, I don't really think there was a sense. We were just hoping that we could survive. You're talking about a defense where you take their first six games previously and they had averaged giving up three points a quarter, three points in the first, three points in the second, three points in the third. And then when you look at the opponents they played, Wake Forest, Boston College, yep. the Heisman Trophy winner at Louisville, uh, NC State, Auburn with the quarterback transfer from Baylor. I mean, to hold those type of offensive teams to just a three points a quarter was unbelievable. The one thing that we knew we had to do was we had to find a way to start fast, and, and we had to pull – every trick in the book and try everything that we could. And what we wanted to do is be extremely aggressive. You, you, you know how it is when you, you kind of get in, you don't want to fight and you're fighting the bully of the school and right. he's the biggest and the baddest guy in the school. The last thing you want to do in a fight like that, because no one thinks you're going to win anyway, is not swing first. So we wanted to try to swing first. And then if they beat us up after that, then so be it. No one expects us to win anyway. But uh, we definitely wanted to try to swing first. What's part of the game plan to get a delay a game on your first play from scrimmage? I think that was just the coaches trying to get me fired up to make sure I was in the right frame of mind once the game starts. <laughs> you know, you know, that's one of those things like you're watching, like, are you are you kidding me? And then all of a sudden, every everybody, everybody forgets. All right, so take me into halftime. Look, everyone has seen your impassioned pre-post-game speeches. Halftime, it's 17-14. Bryant's hurt, and you go in, and and now the kids, you guys have been close this year with LSU. You guys have been close with NC State. Um, how do you balance out the motivational, now we can win with the adjustments? Because you don't have a ton of time. How did you balance that out at halftime? You know, the big thing is, in a game like this, because the adjustments are so important, you have to give the coaches time. You can't take up a lot of time with a a speech that may only last the first play or two coming out at halftime. So uh, a lot of that time went to adjustments. And then uh, once I got everyone together, I just wanted to – remind them of what ha- what's happened the last two weeks. We go down to LSU. It's a game. There's five minutes left in the game, and we come up short. We go to NC State. There's 
five, six minutes left, left in the game. Anybody can win, and we come up short. And now we're in a game with the number two ranked Clemson Tigers, who were national champs the year before. And then I just paused, and I didn't say anything for about 30 seconds to seem like about 30 minutes. And while they were all looking at me, and I didn't say a word, and then I told them, now let's go. Let's finish it. And that's what they went out and did. They get a makeable field goal, right? Alex Spence got a 38-yard mm-hmm. field goal. They missed it. When a team misses an, a 38-yard field goal, even in college, fairly makeable, especially in the Dome, when you could have gotten down three points and everything could have gone to hell in a handbasket, it was meant to be. You know what? I, I really I, I thought that we really had a chance. When you think about we had seven points taken off the board for an offensive pass interference penalty. We had, well, I think, well, excuse me, I think we had 14 points taken off Correct. the board because of penalties. We have a situation where it's third and a whole bunch. We run the ball for a substantial gain where we're going to have an opportunity to kick a 50-yard field goal. And at the end of the run, the young man coughs the ball up. They pick it up and run it in for a touchdown. That's a 10-point that's a swing. We're about to get three. And instead of us getting three, we gave them seven. That was a 10-point swing right there. I really thought that we left some meat on the bone and that we had an opportunity, just like you said, with the penalty coming out in the first, the first play of the game. We had a penalty on third and three when we are trying to ice the game to go back to third and eight. We, as coaches, we can't have those mistakes. But when those things happen and you still win, I have to admit, going back to the original question, I do think it was just our time. I think somebody up there wanted – Wanted the orange to win that day. Well, Miami had a kind of a similar escape. I, I know you got to get you got to mentally get on to the to the next game, and now you take on the the Hurricanes, right? Like a another former power uh, that is uh, that that they survived Georgia Tech in their own fashion. I, I but I I read where you told, and I, I think I heard earlier this morning um, on radio, you said, "Hey, you want your guys to enjoy the ride? How do you how do you get them to enjoy the ride, but then lock in because you got to go to Miami this weekend." Well, I think the biggest thing is you got to let it get it out of their system. You know, um, the way social media is and nowadays and with the millennials, it's you don't have control over your young people the way we used to when we were coming up, when we were going through the old timers. I mean, there was one newspaper, a local newspaper. You controlled the, the media content. There was no phones that could talk to you, no phones that were computers. It was, in fact, phones were like giant walkie-talkie bricks in the black-and-white movies. It, it was, it's, a totally, it's a totally a different deal. But nowadays, they have so much contact, so much content that's out there on the airways that – to try to keep them from it as being a little bit naive and, and, and not real with what's going on in the world. So instead of doing that, I said, okay, let's do something different. Let's let them feed on it, gorge on it. And when they get done and they get tired of eating, okay, we're going to bring them back here Tuesday and get them back into shape and get them ready to play an undefeated ACC opponent that's leading the other side of the conference on their home field on a historic program that's won national championships before. My mom's a Syracuse alum. I know I, I worked for your boss, uh, John Wildhack, uh, when I was over at, at ESPN. It's, there's, a, there's a powerful alumni contingent. I'm sure you've gotten texts from people who you want to text back, who this, right? Like, who is this? Uh, biggest name or most interesting text you received after the win last Friday night? Oh, there's a lot. You're going to get me in trouble for that. I mean, the, uh, the first one that jumps off is Mike Tirico. Oh, uh, Tirico is unbelievable on text, right? He'll be in the middle of calling a game and send you a text. 
I'm, I'm sitting there going, where are you at, and how are you texting me from right now? And he's talking about some some tarmac with some plane that he's going to get in trouble, some waitress. I mean, the airline stewardess is going to get him or something. I mean, he, he was unbelievable. But I, I've got major boosters, major alumnus. I mean, it's it's been unbelievable. And that's not counting ex-players, coaches that are happy for me. It's It's really been – I think I had – after the game I had – close to 300 text messages, and I didn't get done with them until 1230 in the morning. Wow. Well, listen, congratulations. Uh, get, when they get back tomorrow, uh, get them back ready for that big trip to the U as they're, uh, they're atop the other side of the conference. But enjoy this victory lap. It's well-deserved, and we appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You guys have a great day. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Strongly opinionated D'Angelo Williams joins us here on the show. Um, all right, dude, there's a ton of stuff I, I would assume you'd want to get to. Like, I'm assuming you want to talk about the Steelers and finally giving the ball to Le'Veon Bell, something you've called for in the past. But uh, I'll just ask you, like, the two things that surprised you the m- most in the NFL this weekend are what? Okay, so the first thing uh, that surprised me in no particular order that I wanted to talk about is the fact that the Chicago Bears, are 2-0 and against AFC teams, particularly the AFC North, beating Baltimore and the Pittsburgh Steelers, but are 0-4 against NFC teams. Uh, that's what surprised me. Secondly, number one, this is what surprised me out of the entire NFL. I want to publicly issue an apology to Adrian Peterson because I thought, he was washed. That once he went to Arizona, that not, not not that he was washed. I thought when he went to Arizona, there wouldn't be enough carries to give him 20-plus carries, being as the fact, one, he had just switched from a pass-happy offense to another pass-happy offense. Two, the fact that he wouldn't get the offense down fast enough for them to inject him into the game so fast. And then three, that they just couldn't find him the carries. But Bruce Aarons, I apologize to you two as well, uh, because I didn't think you were going to be able to find 20-plus carries for the beast in Adrian Peterson, and you guys proved me wrong. So that was my biggest surprise of the National Football League yesterday was the fact that Bruce Aarons found Adrian Peterson 26 carries, and he gave you 100-plus yards and two touchdowns. But he did give you a fumble, so yeah. he's definitely back to the Adrian Peterson of old. You know, it's it's interesting because uh, I, when, when he signed there um, – my NFL guys said they all liked it because, you know, a lot of, a lot of downhill runs, a um, lot, lot of running style that he's kind of used to. And then, you know, like, look, this is where they've, they've done it before previous regimes. Emmett Smith, Edrin James, you know. They didn't, uh, they didn't look like Adrian Peterson. No, 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 I understand. <laughs> I understand. But they've had, you know, they've tried to reinvigorate uh, the career of, of, other, of other running backs. Like, just it's interesting. But maybe more fascinating is the team that he left, which is the Saints, and look, I respected the backfield. We all knew why the, the you know he just wasn't going to get the carries. He's never going to be happy with that limited role in New Orleans. But I just didn't think New Orleans was any good when they were zero and two. And now all of a sudden they turn around and look at how much how have they changed so dramatically, D'Angelo? What was uh, Arizona? Or are you talking about uh, uh, New, New Orleans? Orleans? I'm I'm talking about the team oh, he left. They've, they've, they've changed big time. I, I, it's the age old additive when you got too many running backs, you have none. Yep. Or if you have too many of something, you have none. Because they gave Mark Ingram the ball 25 times, and he rushed for 114 yards. Uh, granted, he did have 36 yards out of the backfield on five catches, 
But, I mean, that's because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. But now Mark Ingram doesn't have to look over his shoulder when he goes into the game. It's more of a fluid offense because Drew Brees knows what he can do and what he can't do in Mark Ingram. There's no Hall of Famer versus Hall of Famer conversation going on. So it's not – Mark Ingram says something, it'll never trump what Drew Brees says. Uh-huh. But if Adrian Peterson said something, then now it's a little different. That conversation is a lot different. Is it as simple? I mean, like, look, I know you look at the Steelers, everybody points to their offense and the fact they gave it to Le'Veon 32 times. And that's a pretty that's a pretty sound argument to make. But it's also important to point out their defense held Kareem Hunt to nine carries, 21 yards. Was there something they did differently to shut down the, the Chiefs running game? Oh, my gosh, Doug. I, I, I think every week when I talk to him, like, he's going to learn. He's going to learn. He's going to learn me. He's going to learn us and we're going to be this dynamic duo, but you let me down every week. It has nothing to do with stopping Kareem Hunt to nine yards. All you had to do was bully that offensive line. That's that's who's been doing all the work the entire season has been that offensive line. You hit him in the mouth and you bully them, there's no way that running back can get up and do what he does. However, he did contribute in the passing game, and I knew that that was going to happen because Pittsburgh, they preached, shut down the run, shut down the run, shut down the run. Hey, Alex Smith had an opportunity, a golden opportunity this weekend to show that he was the quarterback uh, of the future or a quarterback that's primed for a big contract and a quarterback that can win games with his arm. And he let Kansas City down again. No, I know. But, like, look, the, the Steelers, and even after even after what they did yesterday to Kansas City, they're 27th in uh, yards per attempt uh, they're like 28th in yards given up in terms of r- a running game. Uh, like yeah. they, they, I know what they preach, but they haven't been stopping the run. And then yesterday yeah, they did they, stop they, the run. Every, every team that they've played thus far haven't had a rushing attack like the Kansas City Chiefs. What people don't understand is everything that the Kansas City Chiefs revolve around getting the run game going. We got to get the run game going so guys can play seven, eight, nine in the box to stop Kareem Hunt so we can go over the top and let Alex Smith does what he, do what he does in terms of throwing the college open wide receivers because everybody's focusing on that run game. Well, he didn't have that this weekend. He had to make those accurate throws that he sometimes doesn't make that a lot of people think he makes all the time in this game. It's Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of D'Angelo Williams. Um, how concerned should the Raiders be? They're 2-4 and four now. Derek Carr did play, and they got beat at home by the Chargers. How concerned should they be? They shouldn't be concerned at all. I was concerned last year when they had a good season last year, but they're back to the Oakland Raiders of old. We all know this Oakland Raiders team. I mean, 2-4, and four, <laughs> it's only different because it's this year, not last year. But if you compare them to the last five or six seasons that they've had, they this is where they this is the Oakland Raiders that we know. The Oakland Raiders we don't know was the Oakland Raiders of last year. What's the matter with the Falcons? Um you know, I I've been trying to put my finger on that all like ever since that game was over. Like the Miami Dolphins. But again, I mean, the Steelers lost to, you know, the Chicago Bears. So they're not as Miami's not as bad as a lot of people think they are. It just comes down to guys not making their plays. I just don't understand why they don't get the ball with Julio. Like, I don't care if it's 14 people on Julio and you only allowed 11. I'm throwing the ball to Julio. He's proven that he can go up and he can come down with the ball, just like Randy Moss. You know that you can get this guy the ball, and that's just something that they're not doing. 
I think they're getting away from the game plan that they had last year. The game plan that they had last year was very similar to the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of we're going to get this run game going and then we're going to throw the ball. I think it's more so we're going to throw the ball to open up the run, whereas the play action is not as effective as it used to be, and it's just not they're not getting the ball down the field, and that's what's killing them. We haven't talked since Thursday Night Football. Obviously, you have a ton of knowledge from having played in Carolina. Uh, Cam was 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 terrible the first three games, was awesome for two games. I mean, awesome. And then kind of a, really a mixed bag on Thursday. Now, look, the offensive line didn't help him out. He had people, and as Cam has said, like he doesn't like people by his legs, and he didn't have a, a clean pocket. But he was really inconsistent on Thursday. What did you see from the Panthers? <laughs> really inconsistent, huh? I, uh, I, I looked at these stats the other day on Cam just to bring it up. Uh, the, the one year where he had 35 touchdowns and, and 10 picks was 2015. That's the year that they went to the Super Bowl uh, and, and lost. But every season uh, after that or before that, yep. he was double-digit touchdowns, 17 or 19 touchdowns. He was 12 to 15 picks. So looking at that lets me know that he's never been extremely accurate. He's just been okay at best. And right now, he's not playing his best. And his best is okay. So when he's doing what he's doing like he did on Thursday night, that's the Cam that, that's not playing his best. He's playing okay, and it doesn't. it's below the line. That's what's going on. And it doesn't help that Luke Keekley's back in concussion protocol because he's the signal call on that defense. And that's ultimately where they're lacking at is on defense. Whenever Luke goes down, man, that defense breaks down big time. So you know he's a key cog in that defense and keeps that defense going and rolling. How did the Giants beat the Broncos? Like how? How did that happen? Like like they 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 don't have any wide receivers. Like how do you go and they haven't had a running game all year? How did that happen? I thought when I turned that game on and I was watching that game, I was like, I am literally about to witness a murder on live TV, <laughs> and people are going to watch this and they're going to get away with it. Well, what I didn't take in consideration was the person or the group of men that was stepping out there on that field was also armed and took full advantage of the team that was supposed to have been doing the murdering. That's what happened during that game because Eli, he had an opportunity to stand up and actually throw the ball downfield when he wasn't on his back, whereas in previous games, he was always either running for his life, and we all know that Eli is not the most mobile quarterback in the world. So he was running for his life, and he was throwing on the run. Eli's not accurate, in my opinion, on the run. He's better in the pocket and stepping up. And he had an opportunity to step up and deliver the ball in most cases. And then that run game, they tried to establish the run game. Uh, they gave, uh, they actually gave more carries in the run game than I think they've had in the previous weeks. But, you know, what do I know? I just play football. No, listen. I I just don't understand how the how they protected him against the Broncos. Like the Broncos have a great pass yeah, rush, person playing at home. Like I don't get. I don't know what what the hell happened. I just I don't know what happened. Yeah, I I was I was shocked too. But they only put up ten points. So you know we'd have to point that to the defenses. I mean, their defense showed up and played the game. And uh, the Giants, mm. uh, Seaman threw two picks. He was sacked four times. Eli was sacked three times. Normally that number is a lot higher during the season. And they ran the ball. Which they had. Which That's they had, which, shocking. Which, which they, they hadn't done. They ran the ball on the Denver Broncos. Yeah. They ran it. They, and they, then they stopped the run. And, 
you know, Simeon couldn't throw it. Yeah, good. Great stuff, D'Angelo. D'Angelo, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, man. I just, uh, again, I want to apologize <laughs> to the GOAT and uh, let him know. I mean, if somebody hears this that has a direct line to him, please let Adrian Peterson know that I didn't doubt him. I doubted his offensive coordinator on getting him the ball, and they definitely did that. Now, don't don't make me a liar week the next week if they don't give you the ball. I just want to apologize, though. Fair enough. That will definitely reverberate uh, in the in the in the desert. Thanks so much, D'Angelo. D'Angelo Williams joining us. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I, I just I, like I'm dumbfounded by the Spurs. Signing a long-term deal with Lamarcus is anybody else like he was a bad fit? Like people are talking about trading him in the offseason. He's a bad fit. Like I don't. Uh, yes, John. Ryan. I just I agree. When I saw it pop up on Twitter, I said, "Didn't Why? they like not go together last year? Like what is this all about?" And then <laughs> right away, I mean, I agree with you. I, not that you need me to agree with you, but 100, percent you are right on with that. No, you do. You need to agree with me. Otherwise, we'd, <laughs> we'd, we'd fire you. We'd fire your ass pretty quickly here, Ramos. I think you like. I don't. Get get the, like I know they had a good regular season, but the whole thing was like, eh, really a spur, not really a fit for twenty first century. Like they got him, and they I thought Pau Gasol wasn't a good fit. Then they re up Pau Gasol. Like maybe this is the magic of the Spurs. They're going to zag when everybody else zigs. I guess yes, yes, rhyme music. So Kawhi Leonard is very quiet. Like he's not one of the superstars in the NBA that has a big personality and is always voicing his opinion. Any personality, right? So he has no personality, no, right? At some point, do you think he's looking around at his team going like, okay, so you mean to tell me Russell Westbrook wins the MVP and then they go get him Paul George and Carmelo Anthony? And now I'm over here with Pau Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge? Like, is he the type of person well, that's... They, they got him Rudy Gay, too. At some point, do you think he's going to want out of San Antonio? I, I I think those guys those guys end up drinking the Kool Aid and become you know they they become Spurs and they they think everybody else this is a little bit like the first of all they've won titles they've consistently found ways to to win right and even last year take a guess how many games they won the regular season last year take a guess fifty that's too much forty five fifty is too much I think the Spurs won fifty nine games um. Ramos, do you want to rethink your number? <laughs> I'll say 55. How's that? The San Antonio Spurs last year won 61 games. Wow. 61 games. Right? They were only six games back at the Golden State Warriors. And they they also rested guys. I mean, they 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 didn't it wasn't like they played all out every game, whatever. Um so as much as we could sit here and go like, that won't work, they've consistently found ways to make it work. Uh, so do I think he does? I don't. I don't. Now, he's from Los Angeles. Didn't he just sign up? Did he sign a big deal? I remember he signed an extension, but I don't know if it was a max extension. I felt like it was a little bit less than he could have gotten open market. Um, no, I don't. I think it's like once a spur, you never leave. It's like skulls, man. Like once you're, you're like in the club, they just, they look at everybody else like everybody else is crazy. Like you guys are crazy. Like, no, nah, everybody else is crazy. Like, well, maybe I am crazy. You ever have something like that? You ever yeah. talk to a crazy person? Like, <laughs> uh, right? Where, where, like, they sit there and they claim to be the Lord and Savior. And you're like, man, that guy is crazy. And then you start talking to him like, wait, <laughs> maybe I'm the crazy one. Oh, it's, it's similar to where you're like, hey, remember when 
the whatever the Broncos or the the Giants beat the Broncos and they're like, no, they didn't. You're like, no, I watched it last night. The Giants went into Denver and beat the Broncos. They're like, no, they didn't. And you're like, wait, okay, wait, did they? Like all of a sudden they're so certain in their wrong opinion, they've convinced you that you're the one who's wrong. Yeah. Not only the Spurs won 61 games, they lost their last three games of the regular season because they were arresting their guys. What? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy. So to answer your question, like, we're all saying they should do something different. When anybody's paid attention, it's like, why should they do something different? They just keep winning. But look, the big question is going to be um, uh, DeJounte Murray starting at point. Remember, Mono Ginobili's coming back for another year. Like, again. Mono's been too old for, like, five years, right? Like, oh, he's too old. He just keeps coming back. Keep coming back. They just keep finding ways to like reinvent guys. But yes, I would agree. The Lamarcus Ald- re-signing Lamarcus Aldridge to three more years strikes me as odd. That's like that's four years, right? Total. So he's with them four years. I didn't think it was a great. He's thirty-two, but I guess like in Spurs age, like thirty-two for everybody is like twenty-eight for everybody. It's like the opposite of players from Dominican Republic in baseball, where he's like, oh, he's twenty-nine. Oh, you mean he's thirty-one? <laughs> right. In the Spurs, if you're 32, like you're like 29 basketball age. Yeah, basically, he's basically a rookie. Basically a rookie. Like Tony Parker's like 35. Like, oh, he's over there. He's like, nah, he's really like 32. Been playing the NBA since he's 19. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Look, there are laws that don't make any sense, right? Like, um, Public intoxication, right? You're allowed to drink in a bar, and obviously you have to get home, right? But by letter of the law, a police officer, let's say you walk out of a bar and you're waiting for your Uber, right? And you're getting silly. And what you are as a drunk is what you really are, right? Like, Angry drunk, that's really an angry person. This is. Silly drunk. I'm I when I drink, I get silly. I get happy. I'm just smiling. Right? Like you might think I'm on something more than just a couple of couple of drinks, but it's because that's just kind of I and I'm not saying it to make myself anything different. That's really how I am. Like I'm just I I crack dumb jokes. I get kind of childish. I get silly. I get goofy. But let's say even you're silly drunk and you're messing around and you fall down, you fall all over. So technically, while waiting for an Uber, which is the right thing to do, or waiting for a lift, or waiting for a ta- taxi, or waiting for your friend to come pick you up, all of these things are exactly how you're supposed to handle yourself if you've had too much drink at somebody's house or at a bar. And you're on the sidewalk, and you're minding yourself, and you just had too much to drink, and you're <laughs> Right? You get arrested. Even if you're doing... Technically the right thing. Like, I had too much to drink. I stopped. The bartender's like, you're done here. And you walk out, and you press the button, and the car's coming to get you. That's what happened to the Jets. That's what happened to the Jets. Because what would happen, this happened to me last week. Um, in California, if you have a, uh, if you have a, an admissions-free vehicle, electric, electric vehicle, you can drive in the carpool lane even if you don't have anybody with you. That's the HOV lane if you don't have the carpool lane on, right? So I have 
uh, filled out the deal. It's like eight bucks to get that sticker on my car. And I got pulled over by a cop because I don't have that sticker. And the police officer's like, you can't ride by yourself in the carpool lane. I was like, but man, this is an electric car. She's like, we don't have the sticker. I was like, well, I ordered the sticker, but you don't have the sticker. Like, listen, I understand by letter of the law, you can pull me over. But spirit of the law, right? Like, again, and I'm, I try to defend police officers against protests. Like, and this is where I say, like, you know, I had nothing to do with anything other than like, apparently she just wanted to be a jerk. Because anybody who pulls over a car, which is clearly an electric car, it is clearly an electric car, in the HOV lane, is just doing it to be an ass. That's that's it. And you may say, well, you're just driving in that. No, no, no. I, I know I'm okay. Right? Like, literally, it's eight bucks, and you get a sticker, and I paid the money to get the sticker. I just hadn't arrived in the mail. And hundreds of other police officers have driven past me, and they don't do anything. That's what happened with Austin Sferian Jenkins. He's going into the end zone. And by letter of the, which is a stupid rule. Look, the people are going to get it twisted. They're going to say that it's only stupid because he didn't lose the football. It's a stupid rule regardless. That if you, if you're going in the end zone and you fumble it and it goes out of bounds through the end zone, that you lose the football. Like that's a, a, that is the dumbest thing ever. You were the last one to have possession of the ball. You should get possession is nine tenths of the law, whatever. You should get the ball back at the spot where you fumbled or something, right? I, I Look, the intent is you shouldn't be able to fumble the ball into the end zone and get rewarded. So give the ball back where it was fumbled. Why does the defense get it? What the hell did they do to earn it? Well, they jostled it loose for a, a split second. Like, he didn't even, I mean, look, he didn't even lose the ball. Ball didn't go scurrying out on the turf. They just fumbled for a second. Nobody thinks this is a good rule. Al uh, Riveron, who's the vice president officiating, by rule, he has to reestablish possession. He must regain control of the football before he hits out of bounds. He has not regained control of the football before he hits out of bounds. They're just sitting there going like, that, that's the rule. That's the rule. You know, that's the rule, and that's the rule, and that's the rule. Like, it's a terrible rule because he didn't lose the football. Like, did he lose the football? Did it come out in the – like, even if I don't agree with the overall rule of the ball rolling out of the end zone should be – just even if you want to say like, well, the defense can jostle the ball free and you got to hold on to the football and complete the process and blah, 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 blah. And forget about the fact that when you're running into the end zone, all you simply have to do is cross the plane with the ball in your hands and then somebody can smack it out. But once you cross the plane, you're good. Like it just did these. There is no um, they're not congruent rules. They don't all fit together. These are the problems with life that just doesn't make any sense, right? Like, you got to kind of make it. It's all kind of got to make sense. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 